0: The prosecution's final witness was the attractive 24-year-old lab technician named Susan Hayes, the same woman Shepard had denied having an affair with at the coroner's inquest. She contradicted Shepard, testifying that as recently as three months before the murder, she and Shepard were having sex.
1: And this may not sound like much of anything in this era, but he was asked the question, did he ever have intercourse with Susan
0: Hayes and his answer was no when Susan Hayes was on the stand she admitted they did so that lights a light we would better keep our thinking caps on here and maybe something maybe there is something to this Shepard took the stand in his own defense now in tears he admitted to the affair and claimed he had told Marilyn about it even though he lied about it at the inquest Defense attorney William Corrigan did his best to corroborate Shepard's version of events. In his closing argument to the jurors, Corrigan insisted that Shepard's infidelities could not be a motive for murder because Sam had already told Marilyn about his affair. He pointed out that being an adulterer does not make someone a killer. All the prosecution had demonstrated, he said, was that Shepard had been unfaithful. They hadn't proven that he was the murderer. The case went to the jury on December 17th. If they decided on first-degree murder, that the crime was premeditated and in cold blood, Shepard could be sentenced to death. We took a straw vote, and as I recollect, the leanings, and I lean on that word leanings, were five or six said they felt as though he could be guilty, five or six said that, they felt he could be innocent. While the sequestered jury deliberated, reporters took over the courthouse, waiting for the verdict to come in.
2: It was a Roman circus. They were camped out, it was a three or four story building over on Payne Avenue, and they were everywhere. There were bottles of liquor, and I mean, it was just uh, not what you would expect in a courtroom.
0: After five days, the jury announced that they had reached a verdict. What was then the longest criminal trial in American history finally came to an end after two months. The judge called the accused to stand and face the jury.
1: We, the jury in this case, being duly impaneled and sworn, do find the defendant, Sammy Shepard, not guilty of murder in the first degree, but
3: guilty of murder in the second degree.
0: The jury believed Shepard was guilty, but not that the crime was premeditated.
3: Let me stick my nose in here. This is where Sam Shepard tells the judge, I'd like to say, sir, I am not guilty. Four days before Christmas,
0: Shepard was sentenced to life in prison.
3: And this is pretty much where we left off last time. The jury convicts Sam Shepard of murder in the second degree and sentences him to spend the rest of his life in prison. There's a lot more to come. And if you watch my episode, introducing Truman Capote a few days back, you know that F. Lee Bailey is going to enter this case pretty soon, he's going to make a difference, and he's going to start making a name for himself. But the Shepherd case was far from over. His lawyers still thought they
0: could prove that the evidence used to convict him, especially the trail of blood leading down the staircase, could in fact clear his name. Even though Dr. Sam Shepard was convicted and beginning to serve his sentence of life in prison, the fever pitch of the media coverage that distinguished his trial persisted in its aftermath. Two weeks after the verdict, on January 7, 1955, Shepard's mother, Ethel, committed suicide with a shotgun. Years later, in an interview with a reporter, Shepard would blame the media's rabid coverage of the case for her untimely death.
2: This hysteria and this uh, actual injustice killed my mother. The people that that induced this injustice pulled that trigger from her head. Just as sure they committed murder. Now, they did commit murder.
0: One week later, Sam's father also died. The stress of the trial and his wife's suicide aggravated a hemorrhaging ulcer. Shepard was escorted in handcuffs to the funerals of both his
2: parents. I remember covering both funerals and uh, they wouldn't let us into the cemetery so we had to climb over the wall. There was some thought that maybe Sam would, you know, because of the emotion would throw himself on the grave and and admit that he had murdered his wife or something.
0: Despite the loss of their parents, Sam's two brothers moved his appeal forward. The Shepard house, sealed since the day of the murder, was finally returned to his family. His brothers immediately hired a well-known forensic scientist, Dr. Paul Leland Kirk, to examine both the crime scene and the state's physical evidence.
1: In the barbaric days of justice in Cleveland in 1954, the defense was not allowed an examination of the murder scene prior to the trial. The defense was not permitted to inspect or collect any scientific evidence or to have its version presented to the jury based on examinations made by its experts. Kirk paid special attention to
0: the walls in the shepherd's bedroom, analyzing the hundreds of millimeter-sized blood spots. He determined that blood flew out in all directions from the point of impact, but that one area of the wall was clean of blood spatter, so the killer's body must have intercepted the blood flying in that direction. That meant that the killer would have been covered in blood, but Shepard only had a single large spot of blood on his trousers.
3: I got a butt in here again. That's correct. Sam only had a large single spot of blood on his trousers. But don't forget, he said he lost his shirt during his second fight with the bushy-haired intruder. And somehow, that shirt mysteriously vanished off the face of the earth. I mean, police never found a trace of that shirt. Could that be because his shirt was covered with Marilyn's blood and Sam destroyed it? Just saying.
0: In May 1955, Shepard's attorney presented this new evidence to Judge Blythen as grounds for a retrial. The judge rejected it, arguing that the defense could have presented this evidence at trial if they had pursued it diligently. Two months later, The State Court of Appeals affirmed the conviction. Defense attorney William Corrigan then approached the Ohio Supreme Court. In May 1956, the highest court in the state handed down its opinion.
1: The opening paragraph seemed to suggest a reversal. It goes this way. Murder, mystery, society, sex, and suspense combined in this case to captivate the editorial fancy on an international level and it described a big scenario in the courtroom and then concluded that in this atmosphere of a Roman holiday for the news media Sam Shepard stood trial for his life then shockingly went on to conclude but that's okay because it was just barely fair enough Shepard's last
0: resort was the US Supreme Court Corrigan pleaded for the High Court to review the case but it declined What had seemed to many observers like a weak circumstantial conviction, full of error and opportunity to be overturned, was proving to be astonishingly resilient. Five years later, in August 1961, Shepard's determined but weary attorney, William Corrigan, died at the age of 75. It appeared that Shepard would remain in prison for the rest of his life. Fascination with the Shepard case remained high a television series the fugitive loosely based on the shepherd story debuted in nineteen sixty three with the main character doctor richard kimball on the run after being wrongly convicted for the murder of his wife but the real life unfolding of the shepherd case was equally dramatic and the main character was not a fugitive but a brilliant young defense attorney named f lee bailey in nineteen sixty-one after five years in prison Sam Shepard was losing hope. It seemed that his only option was to somehow sway public opinion and try to get his life sentence reduced. If he passed an independent lie detector test, it might spur a reinvestigation. A journalist close to the case approached a young lawyer and polygraph expert from Boston named Flee Bailey. The 25-year-old Bailey, who had passed the bar exam just one year earlier, was intrigued by the chance to represent one of the most infamous prisoners in the country. He was also convinced that Shepard was innocent. Instead of fighting the press coverage as Shepard's first attorney had, Bailey embraced it in order to criticize the state of Ohio's handling of the case.
1: They were encouraged and indeed made signatory to a complete whitewash of perhaps the worst investigation in the history of American crime. I think it's an awful shame.
0: Bailey decided to take a new approach. He took the case to federal court, arguing that Shepard's constitutional right to a fair trial had been violated, in part by the extraordinary press coverage. Three recent Supreme Court decisions had given the federal courts the power to overturn state convictions. Unfamiliar with the cases, the judge almost threw the appeal out. But after looking over
1: the legal briefs, he called Bailey into his chambers. And he said, well, it appears that not only... Are you probably going to get a hearing in this case but someone may have to let this fellow out and it's not going to be me. He said I'm referring this case to Judge Carl Weinman over in Dayton and the best thing that ever happened to Sam Shepard was Judge Carl Weinman.
0: While Judge Weinman reviewed the entire trial record, Shepard received a surprise prison visit from one of his biggest supporters. Ariane johans was a 32-year-old woman from Dusseldorf, Germany. She and Dr. Sam had been exchanging letters for the past five years. In January 1963, she moved to Cleveland to be closer to him.
1: She and Sam Shepard were immediately attracted to one another as soon as she came into the prison and decided that if I got him out, that they would be
2: married. Right now, Are you very happy? I've
1: thought so often about how it would be to hear his voice. I, I don't know.
0: The momentum seemed to be shifting in Shepard's favor. In March 1964, Dorothy Kilgallen, the star reporter who had written a syndicated column during Shepard's trial, made a casual but shocking comment in a discussion at the Overseas Press Club in Washington. She recalled that before Shepard's trial began, Judge Blythin told her that he saw no reason for the press to be in the courtroom because Shepard was, quote, guilty as hell, and the trial was a mere formality. Effley Bailey happened to be in the audience for Kilgallen's comment. He swiftly deposed the reporter and added her remarks to his federal petition. In July 1964, in a scathing decision, Judge Weinman wrote that the press coverage of Shepard's trial had been grossly prejudicial. The trial judge had done nothing to protect the jury from its influence. His remarks to Kilgallen showed his prejudice, and the jurors were insufficiently monitored during deliberation. Weinman declared a mistrial, overturning the previous 12 decisions in the case and ordered Shepard's immediate release. On July 16th, at the age of 40, after nearly a decade behind bars, Sam Shepard walked out of an Ohio prison and into the arms of his fiancée, Ariane Teven Johans. Uh,
2: sadly, my innocence and then go from how does to speed him? Filthy is uh ecstatic. Right?
0: One week later, Sam and Ariane elope to Chicago.
2: Oh, uh, Ariane and I have uh, come to uh, make no plans ahead. <laughs> All day she has uh, eyed every policeman. Uh, when we went down to get our marriage license, she uh, grabbed me by the arm. And she says, "Here he comes." <laughs> the newlyweds
0: moved into a small house back in Bay Village only a few miles from the house where Marilyn was murdered
2: well it was really strange I mean here's this woman who uh, after he gets out of prison shows up you know in the United States had never met him and they wind up getting married Uh, I mean it just was it was almost bizarre
0: the couple couldn't escape the zealous scrutiny of the press An enterprising reporter discovered that Shepard's new bride had a half-sister who had been married to Joseph Goebbels, Adolf Hitler's propaganda minister. The bizarre connection seemed somehow fitting in the ongoing media circus. The U.S. Court of Appeals overturned Judge Weinman's decision, but Bailey managed to keep Shepard out of prison on bail while he appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court this time the high court agreed to hear the case and on june six nineteen sixty six it reached a landmark decision without commenting on shepard's guilt or innocence it ruled that his constitutional rights had been violated by the pervasive carnival atmosphere created by the press the court said it was the responsibility of the judge to protect the jury from the media's influence the court affirmed judge Weinman's decision and declared Shepard's original conviction null and void.
3: So, there you have it. F. Lee Bailey takes over the case, refuses to quit, takes it all the way to the Supreme Court and gets Sam Shepard's murder conviction overturned. Now, the balls in the state of Ohio's court, will they just say, fuck it, and walk away from the case? Or will they lick their wounds and retry Sam Shepard for murdering his wife. Well, I'm pretty sure you already figured out the answer. Next time, we'll cover Sam's second trial. But that's it for today, Run a little long, a quick plug for Born to be Wild, a classic outlaw biker saga, true crime, published 30 years ago and still selling. Get yours before the supply runs out. Thanks for stopping in today. Until next time, mm-hmm. See and that's a wrap.